basically when I'm working with the kids, I tell them I'm a brain detective and I'm looking for what is like, cause we know these kids are smart and we know they have potential, but something's, you know, clogging up their gears kind of. So I get to kind of dig around metaphorically and find out what's going on for them and then give some answers to them, their parents and the teachers. Welcome to Mindful Conversations with Kay. I'm Christy. And I'm Kelly. We are both moms, educators, kidding around yoga teachers, and trainers. And now, podcasters. In this podcast, we will talk about using research-based tools and strategies to help increase mindfulness, self-awareness, connection, self-regulation, and peace in your home or classroom. Join us weekly for some fun and insightful conversations where we will take a deep dive into all things kids yoga and mindfulness. Would you like a chance to win our brand new Mindful Parenting course? All you have to do is leave our podcast a review on Spotify or Apple. Take a screenshot of it and then email it to me, Kelly Winkler at kiddingaroundyoga.com. That's spelled K-E-L-L-Y-W-I-N-K-L-E-R at kiddingaroundyoga.com. We'll be announcing the winner on June 24th. You can head over to our Facebook group, Mindful Conversations with Kay, so you don't miss the announcement. Before we dive into our interview, I'd like to give you a little background information on Erin Williamson. She has 21 years of classroom teaching experience in grades pre-K through eighth grade. She has a master's of science degree in educational diagnostics, a master of arts degree in special education, and is a Montessori certified teacher. She's also a certified yoga instructor, 200 hour, a kidding around yoga teacher and trainer. Erin has so much experience to share with us in both using yoga with children and the special ed classroom. So let's dive in and hear what Erin has to say. All right, welcome back everybody to Mindful Conversations with Kay. Kelly, how are you today? I'm doing great, how are you, Christy? I'm doing awesome. Uh, I'm happy to be here today uh, and super excited because we have a guest with us on our Zoom. This is very, very exciting. So we would like to uh, take this opportunity to welcome our guest. Kelly, tell us about our guest. So today we are so thrilled to have a fellow K trainer, Erin uh, Williamson. And Erin is joining us today to continue our conversation about yoga in schools. And today we're gonna to be talking about specifically yoga when it comes to special education. And so Erin, why don't you just start by first telling us, you know, introduce yourself and just tell us a, a little bit about you and how you found yoga for yourself. Good morning, ladies. I'm super excited to be here. So yeah, I 
started doing yoga really when I was pregnant with my first kiddo and I started the prenatal yoga and found that it totally revolutionized any of the experiences I was having when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, it got put on hold for a bit while I raised kids and was a teacher at the same time. And honestly, it was Kay that brought me back to my passion and love for yoga. I was teaching at a Montessori and in through my email came this advertisement for this kidding around yoga. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. This is like the piece of my heart that's been missing. I wasn't really aware of it. So then I went and got my K training and that kind of just turned that spark back on for me. So then I just picked my practice back up and that's the beautiful thing about yoga. You can pick it back up at any point. And so I picked it back up and now, um, practice yoga as much as I possibly can and teach kids yoga as much as I possibly can. And now I get to train other (laughs) adults to teach kids yoga. So it's just been a full circle for me. And so I was a educator for 21 years. I taught, um, sixth through eighth grade special education at the mild level. So that's more just the learning disabilities. I did a year as, um, working in a severe special ed classroom. So kiddos with, you know, autism where they can't function on their own or cerebral palsy, wheelchair bound, those things. I've taught kindergarten and first grade general ed, but was the Oh, maybe like I was the teacher that everyone put the kids with special ed into because of my background. And I'm always like, yes, I'll take them. And I did four years in a behavior classroom where it was kiddos who have significant emotional and behavioral disabilities. Then I did six years at a Montessori. And so I did kindergarten through fifth grade there. And now I'm an educational evaluator. So I evaluate students for disabilities, dyslexia, giftedness, looking for ADHD. Basically, when I'm working with the kids, I tell them I'm a brain detective and I'm looking for what is like, because we know these kids are smart and we know they have potential, but something's, you know, clogging up their gears kind of. So I get to kind of dig around metaphorically and find out what's going on for them and then give some answers to them, their parents and the teachers. I love that image of, of brain detective. That is so fantastic. I picture you with your Sherlock Holmes hat. Totally. And I picture it when I say it and I think it resonates with the kids because often I go into, you know, I don't know them usually. So I get, get a student, I go in and I pull them from class and they just have to sit there and spend hours with me. So I think it's also kind of a fun way for them to you know, so get what a, that I'm a little bit silly and what a cool scary. approach, what a yeah. cool approach then. And, and, and for them to be able to hear that and, and that, then it becomes like this mystery that they got to solve. And that, that is really fantastic. I, I, I applaud that. I, I, really I agree. That. I think, I think it's like such a mindset shift right there. Like that's like, that's like part of yoga, just looking at it from a different perspective, totally. whereas kids might be feeling like, oh, she's kind of talking to me because I'm not so smart. And so she's going to see all the things that I can't do, but instead now they get to be like, Oh, she's going to see how my brain works. And that is so cool. And what, what a mindset shift. I love that. And I love 
your varied experience that you have like working in so many different populations with so many different ages. That's why I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today because I think you come at it with a wealth of knowledge, of course, just because of your experience, but you can look at it from all those different places where you've had the experience of working with so many different types of populations. So um, I'm so excited to get more into this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, w- one question I had too uh, for you, Aaron. So, you know, you found you found the K training, and you went through that. Now, did you did you have your your two hundred hour uh, uh, training prior to that, or did you? No, I did not actually. That is a great question, and I completely left that off the radar when I was talking about that. I did not have my two hundred hour. That had not even been a thought for me. Like, oh, that's something, you know, I just thought of more of being the student. Yeah. And so um, when I was at my K training, it kind of like started sizzling a little bit. Like, hmm, I wonder about that piece. But no, 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 no. I work with kids. I work with kids and mm, I don't know. And then really, truly, um, it was in about October of 2019. So before COVID had even hit, that is when, I mean, I could physically feel a shift happening inside of me while I was in the classroom with my students at the Montessori. And I knew that my place was no longer in the front of the room as the classroom teacher. I could, I was just certain about it and I couldn't explain it. And so, um, lots of meditation and just really thinking about it. And I was like, I want to be a K trainer. I want my 200 hours and I want to evaluate students. Like it just, I was just for the, well, you know, takes a while sometimes to get really clear on what you want, but I was very clear that that is what I needed to do to sort of settle that boiling that was happening inside of me. And so then I went and I just instantly, bam, got my signed up like that day for my 200 hour training, signed up for some graduate school programs talked to my people about resigning from the classroom and then started moving through those steps so that I could become a trainer. So it's interesting too, because I think, I think there's a lot of us that are in the, in this position as trainers that, that had that same experience. I know I had the same experience for me too. I was in the classroom teaching pre-K and, uh, and I loved it. I mean, there there was nothing I didn't like about teaching preschool. I, I, I loved it. And uh, to this day, I still, like, I kind of miss those little moments yeah. with the little with the little people. But um, but when I went through my K training, um, I'd, I'd been in the fitness industry prior to um, teaching in the classroom. And I spent years and years in the fitness industry. So I kind of had a little bit of that piece. And I'd had my own personal yoga practice. But um, I didn't get my 200 hours until after my K training as well. And Kelly, I think similar? Yeah, same. same. Yeah, I, I I had no intention of ever teaching adults, <laughs> um, you know, at all. And same thing happened to me when I was in my K training and my K trainer just threw that out there. Like if anybody's ever like, you know, I was watching her and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And she's amazing. And this is so fun and what a fun job. And I, you know, and she kind of said like, oh, if anybody was interested to like chat with her after. And I was just kind of like, what's that about? You know? And I kind of was like mulling it over, but yeah, I, it was, it is K totally sparked that in me. Isn't that interesting? Like that it was a pathway to a deeper dive into that yeah. piece of each of us. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So, 
let's um let's circle back around here to um kind of your work with um children with with special needs and do first of all do you use yoga when you're working with these kids and how how do you think it can be beneficial to children with special needs yep well you know the way that i look at yoga with students with special needs is almost the same way i look at a 504 plan or an iep an individualized educational plan and that is basically just for a quick little for anyone that's listening that doesn't know um those are plans that are created by staff and parents and students when they're you know at an age where they can contribute to provide modifications so the change of the delivery of this their curriculum and accommodations so tools that can help them in the classroom that are differentiated from what the other students are getting or what they previously got. And um, that is that that is those two things in the teeniest of little nutshells. But um, it levels the playing field. And so I think an IEP, the 504, and yoga for students with special needs, especially, it just levels the playing field for them, um, giving them more of an equalized shot at their fullest potential and doing the best they can. Because like I was mentioning, I think before we were recording, every all of these children are brilliant and have some uniqueness about them that make them worthy and valuable members of our community and they're our future. So we want to give them the best shot possible. So some of the ways that I think it levels the playing field yoga for these students is regulating their emotions, which you guys talked a lot about in your uh, SEL podcast, right? Because if these students aren't regulated emotionally because they're having big feelings, they're having self-doubt, they are maybe feeling excluded and perhaps there's other students not making them feel super great. They're going to have anxiety and nobody can learn. And you guys tapped on that too. So I feel like this kind of dovetails with your SEL podcast, but nobody can learn when they're feeling these things. So I think one, it just helps regulate their emotions. And I've seen it. I'm guessing you guys have seen it and research has shown that yoga and meditation also increases memory. And so a lot of times that's what these kiddos need because what are they doing all day? They're learning. It's just like stuff is facts are just being thrown at them all day long. They have got to be able to hold on to some of that and figure out what to do with it. So giving them a stronger memory, reducing their anxiety and increasing their self-esteem. And, you know, I think what's really cool about yoga, the science of it. So both the asanas, the meditation, you know, all of those other pieces is it really, truly meets anybody where they're at. So it doesn't matter what your reading ability is. It doesn't matter. And that can go either direction. Maybe you're a low learner, low achiever, or you're a high achiever, because even those gifted kids who often get, I think, forgotten about when we're talking about special ed, the pressure that they put on themselves mm-hmm. and that teachers put on them because they are their high achievers and often become sort of the classroom, like, well, just so-and-so will help, or I don't worry about that, that person because they've got, it's a lot of pressure for those kiddos. doesn't matter in yoga. It really just doesn't matter where they're at intellectually 
and you know what I mean? And so I think that that, that's what I think is really cool about it is whether you're doing meditation with them or asanas or playing a K game, just meet them where they're at and they can sort of step on the mat, whoever they are, however they are. And they're exactly how they're supposed to be. Amazing. I love that you, that you brought in, it's interesting. You brought in the, the, the high achievers, you know, and, and that, that is a, you know, wow. What an important thing to think about too. I mean, we're thinking about all of these kiddos and I love that, you know, you said it can just kind of level the playing field, you know, each, each kiddo has their own pathway and each kiddo has got their own, their own set of struggles. And whether it's, whether it's the, um, you know, the, the struggle with, with learning, uh, or yeah. whether it's the struggle of, of, of high pressure and, and stress of being that, you know, having to maintain that high, yes. you know, high level. I, I mean, it's, that's what's beautiful about K is that, you know, high achievers usually are perfectionists mm-hmm. and that can get in their way yes. quite significantly. Mm-hmm. So they can come on the mat. And I think what's beautiful about yoga K specifically, because we kind of move them, you know, we keep it going, we keep it going. So we're not in say a pose, we're not in dolphin pose or, or downward dog for so long that they can allow their mind to get in the way because they're in a position and then they're out and then they're doing something else. So our kids that maybe are not perfectionists and are at the other end of that spectrum, doesn't matter. They can kind of be flailing a bit. Cool. Mm-hmm. Our perfectionists can do a beautiful down dog and then boop, off we go. There's no compare. You know what? I'm, I don't know if that makes sense, but there's just not, we, we kind of encourage their minds to just keep moving and not get stuck mm-hmm. like it does in the classroom. I love it. And as you were talking, I was thinking too, um, it's so incredible because yoga really, you know, it teaches us to be more self-aware. Mm-hmm. And I think this is obviously important for everyone, kids, mm-hmm. adults, everyone, but especially those kids who may be struggling in the classroom, whether they're the high achievers or the low achievers, for whatever reason, they may be struggling because those high achievers struggle with different things. Maybe they don't struggle with the academics, but maybe maybe they struggle socially or, or whatever it is. But I think using yoga for those kids and teaching them to be self-aware and to learn what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And how can they advocate for themselves? They, it just teaches us to be such aware of what our needs are. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, I know I've seen it with my own kids. You know, my oldest daughter, I've spoken about her on the podcast before. She's graduating high school in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> I try not to cry. Um, she... Um, you know, has learned through a mindfulness practice and through yoga and through therapy and a lot of different pieces, but a lot of meditation, what she needs. And uh, over these past four years throughout high school, her teachers have said over and over, she has just been an exemplary example of how we teach a kid to advocate for, for themselves. She knows exactly what she needs you know, she was a kid who struggled from day one in kindergarten, academically, socially, and emotionally. And, you know, she's graduating with a 4.0, you know, she has beautiful friendships. She's, she's just learned what works for her and she knew what to ask for. She knew when, what she needed in the classroom. And I think that yoga and mindfulness can 
be such a big part of teaching children that and teaching them to understand themselves and to advocate for themselves. So that's what I was thinking as you, as you were talking about that. Well, Kelly, that's funny because they literally have a note that says self-awareness and it will help them to figure out how I learn and what I need because you're so right. And I think even traditional yoga, K yoga, whatever yoga, we have all these props and we have all these things that they can ask for. They can choose not to use. Mm -hmm. And so exactly if we can get that to translate to the classroom. Yeah, you're totally right. It's because self-advocacy that I think is the number one skill that especially students in special education, the entire spectrum. Yes. Yeah. To master because you're, you know, you're in that space now, Kelly, where you've watched your daughter and she is in a place where she has got to advocate for herself. Once you get into high school, right? Things are different. It's not your elementary school teacher. That's like, Oh, paid half his grilled cheese for lunch. And they know every detail about your kid, right? You have tons of teachers. They've got tons of kids. Then you go to college and, so absolutely that self-awareness piece is just critical um you know and I was gonna kind of speaking about that was gonna talk about the accommodations and, and the modifications and I think that that is what yoga shows these kiddos is as an accommodation we offer you know so many different options in yoga and if they can see that in something as fun, especially the way that Kay presents yoga, people are doing it differently and they have different accommodations for what they're doing when they get back in the classroom, hopefully that's somewhat normalized that, you know, or if you're doing it in the classroom, right, then it just translates over to your next lesson. But, and so I think some of the differences, um, well, you asked how I, how I personally use it in classrooms and I'm not currently necessarily in a classroom, but I do work with students daily who are either already receiving special education services or are in the process of seeing if they identify and become eligible for those. And um, I think it depends on a lot of different factors. So you have your special education students that are in a general ed classroom. And so in that case, that teacher, she is using lots of accommodations because, or he, needs to know what their needs are, what they're capable of, not just physically, but also, and you guys tapped on this too, but emotionally and mentally, because, uh, and I don't wanna just paint this dreary picture and Kelly, maybe you can chime in since you have gone through it as a parent, but sometimes special ed students just don't feel so bright and sunny. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not blaming anybody or pointing the finger, but I just, in my years have seen, they just, they are, they just aren't always, some of them, they are just your happy go luckies. doesn't matter what's going on with them. But so sometimes they may not, it's going to take them, I think, consistency of doing some mindfulness meditation and yoga before they actually can kind of almost accept it, I think, because they're so used to being, the, the struggling learner, the one behind. So I think it's just really, really critical for the educator to think about how they're going to approach that, the yoga in the general ed inclusion setting to make sure almost it would be really nice if they could shine a little, mm. you know, find, yeah. you know, and especially like that's the cool thing about Kay. 
maybe make it, you know, if you have a kid who's obsessed with trains, it might be a really, really cool time to bring in some train yoga, you know, and then that kid might light up. Now all their engines are firing and neurons are, you know, everything's happening. And then they might be more prepared to step into the next lesson with the self-awareness and being ready to learn in your severe classroom. Um, so when I was teaching the behavior program, it was a self-contained program because these students were incredibly violent, incredibly dangerous. Well, it was pretty scary, but, um, and I brought in a yoga person from the outside to do yoga with them because I really needed to be more available as like the regulator, I guess, like I really needed to be available to, to be with them. And if one needed to leave, so I couldn't be the one to do that. And it was not a K teacher. Um, I live in Durango, Colorado, and we have a train. So it's, it's coming by right now on its way to Silverton. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, though, so those behavior kids, that severe level classroom, you really are now modifying. So you're going to change the delivery because they really, they really are not interested in being touched. So there's no like hands-on. Mm. And you just really have to think about your delivery, I guess, is really what I'm trying to say and know who your students are and what their abilities are and what their comfort level are. They need space and you need to be ready to stop the class in a heartbeat and that that's okay. I think that's sort of the bottom line is everything has to be okay. And then the other piece of the severe special ed students are the students that have autism that can't function in a regular classroom or the wheelchairs and same thing. We just go back to those modifications because even if you have a nonverbal student who can't say peace begins with me or student in a wheelchair who cannot do jogging through the jungle and jog up and down her mat can still participate. There are still ways to engage them and pull them into that even if you don't see, sometimes it's really hard to see what these students, you know, that maybe they um, are paralyzed in some way and they don't necessarily smile. So it's really hard to see if you're making a difference, but you know you are because they're involved and they are included and in part of that yoga conversation. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah. Yes. Well, and, and, and kind of one of the questions that we that we talked about, uh, Kelly and I, when we were you know preparing for this, was was how how does yoga in a in a in a uh, is yoga different in a mainstream classroom versus a you know special ed setting, and and I suppose you know you've kind of addressed that. I think you you just it's one of those situations I, I imagine where you just have to be very mindful of the of your participants and and just figure out. Um, you know, are there, you know, how, how am I going to tweak this? How am I going to make this, you know, fit in this particular setting? So. And I think the older kids who could possibly be resistant, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes, like I was talking about, you're not so sunny kids, you're, you're reluctant learners are usually, your, you know, couldn't be your reluctant participants in almost anything that you do, especially if they've been in the special ed system and they're kind of shut down. Um, I think even being able to have a conversation with them about how this truly is not just like another game they're playing. You know, I think sometimes mm -hmm. when they're in a special ed setting, things just look so different because the curriculum has been changed, but that this truly is a tool for them that they're mm -hmm. going to use forever. And that will increase their success in the classroom. And I think those older students, um, like maybe your daughter can start 
to understand that in a sense and really have that buy-in. And the other thing about the, the in-between setting, so they're in general ed, but they might get pulled out for a reading resource or an intervention. I think that's a great opportunity to do some yoga and meditation. But as I was thinking about that, what usually happens is those teachers have a limited amount of time. The pressure is also on them because everyone is looking to them to make progress, to make change. And so they're usually pretty, they use that time, that's a sacred time for them, right? Because they've got to use their curriculum, their special ed curriculum, they need to do these things. They can't look to the outside like they're, and they're just playing games and, um, and so I think though, that that's not a reason not to do yoga and meditation, but to very skillfully weave it in. And I think starting, especially with the meditation to get those kids who have just come from a general ed classroom with, you know, all the things that happen in a classroom into this tiny little setting with probably a pretty stringent curriculum of like, do, 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 help them shift into that space weave in some of those, even if it was, a, you know, one game here, a few poses here, then they can still do their, their curriculum, what they're supposed to be doing in there, their intervention, and then end with meditation so that they can be self-regulated and head back into that classroom. Because I think that I am a huge fan of pullouts. I think not every student, and it's it's not because I think they don't just belong in the classroom. I think it's because we learn differently and that's just period. We all learn differently. I would do better in a smaller classroom with less students, but there's stigmatism around that. There's misunderstandings around that. And so it can be very difficult for kids to have to leave their classroom to go to reading group mm -hmm. and then come back. And maybe the class has moved on. You know, it's really difficult to you guys Transition. know that as educators, it's so difficult to coordinate the timing of everything. So maybe their class is already doing something else. And now they're like, Ugh. you know, yeah. so, but yeah, that transition in and out is yeah. if they leave, itself is hard. Totally. So if they leave glowing, right. Kind of like the kid, they leave floating out the door of that intervention classroom and they're regulated, they can maybe handle that. Yeah. And I think talking about the regulation too, uh, you know, some of, some of the learning issues can be attributed, I think, many times to the lack of regulation. I, I know I've been learning a lot about um, vestibular systems being off and how that can actually affect your reading. And so doing some yoga poses where they can, and, you know, I'm not a occupational therapist, so I'm saying this in a very general sense, but the, you know, the vestibular system is kind of like, you know, the, you know, your body's uh, location in space and that you feel grounded. Mm -hmm. And some kids are, don't have that ability to, to ground themselves. And then that makes it hard for their handwriting can be off and their reading can be off. And so doing yoga can help to, to ground them and then engage in that academic uh, activities that they can show so much more success. So it can be such a minor little thing that we don't realize is having this domino effect. So I love what you said about just weaving it in because even just having them do some, do a quick tree pose or whatever it might be in a few deep breaths 
could just be enough to boom, then before you start your lesson, you know, you're, you're setting them up for success. Totally. I mean, I can't focus on reading when I'm feeling super anxious about something. So I don't know how we got to forgetting that it's the same for kids. And it's the same for ADHD because often those kids need like their systems amped so that they can then focus. However, some of them need the exact opposite, like my son. So if he starts bouncing on a trampoline, it amps his system. So for him to do that before a lesson would not be in his best interest. But if the teacher knew that, you know, mm-hmm. who needs, and I know that's a lot because you have 20 kids. And so okay. this kid needs something calmer and this kid needs something amping him up. But that's why we weave it. So, you know, maybe if some kids are over here bouncing, some kids are over here doing tree and child's pose and some of the more restorative poses. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's okay for it to just look a little different. And I think that's, what's cool about K. <laughs> if you look at it from the outside, just kind of fun. Just kind of everything. You know, we talked about this a little bit in the uh, in the episode that that uh, about PE, where um, you know when I was in the gym and and I'm looking around and I've got I've got one station of of you know kids that are doing something real real active and then another station where they're doing uh, they're just sitting and doing peace begins with me and watching a glitter jar and stuff and so the 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 reality is is that there's always going to be stuff going on. There's always going to be a little bit of chaos, a little bit of, you know, noise and all of this. So then how do we learn how to regulate within that setting? And, and can, can, can we have all these things happening? Well, we certainly can. I've seen it. I've, I've seen it in a gym full of a hundred kids where I've got some of them that are just sitting there and they're so focused and they're doing peace begins with me and then others that are a little bit more active and I've got music going. And so, you know, um, I, I like that uh, as well, that weaving it in, 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 uh, in, in different ways throughout the day. Christy, wouldn't it be, you just like, <clears throat> I was like, dang, I wish I'm back in the classroom. Cause you just like sparked an idea for me. Wouldn't it be cool if the PE teacher was doing some of those things, having those stations, teaching it, the classroom teacher is teaching it. And I, when I say teaching it, kind of goes back to that, the pressure teachers feel and our time and our pace, but actually truly teaching it. And so maybe you don't complete your math lesson that day because you're teaching something that they really need, like this yoga stuff before they can get to the math. And then in the classroom were those little spots. And so your kid with ADHD that needs to get grounded can go to the glitter jar. But like, it's been taught, like truly taught so that they're not abusing it. And yes, you know what I mean? Then, then it just becomes a disaster yeah. and you become a behavior manager because that's all you're doing. Or you can go over to the other station where you're doing that more high energy. Like that would be so cool. That was truly in every classroom. Mm-hmm. Every teacher yeah. knew it. So they were using the same language. It was happening in PE. I don't know. That just is really yeah, cool. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yes. That's like what my, I, I say it all the time. That's how every school should run. It should be across the board. Everybody in every classroom, the same opportunity. And it comes back again to that self-awareness and teaching kids that everybody needs something different. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's brain is different. And we all can like be here and kind of get what we need so that we can all learn and be in community together in a, in a way that everybody is successful. It's like, that's like the, would be the perfect, <laughs> perfect environment. I wish, I wish yeah. that every school could, 
could incorporate a program, you know, and, and offer that, offer that flexibility for the students to just, to really truly, like you said, truly teach them. These are all the tools you have available to you. You are free to use those tools whenever you feel you need to, you know, that's, because that's, that's what we want them to leave school being able to do. Yes. I mean, that's how they can function as an adult, right? I mean, whether you are, are a student of yoga or not, I'm sure we all, if you get stressed, we all have something we do, right? right. Maybe, Maybe you're a runner. Maybe you're right. Yeah, totally. So why not? Yeah. Teach them something right out of the gate that they can use that truly will make them more successful learners. Yeah. And ask for help, really just ask. I mean, I think half the time these kids don't want to ask for help and I don't blame them, but just ask for help. Right, right. Oh, we could go on and on, right? We could (laughs) make our dream school. I think we have like, we're starting to build the staff right here. I like it. (laughs) We could, this conversation could probably continue for uh, for quite some time because I think we're all uh, certainly uh, very passionate about this, this, uh, this topic. So before we go, Erin, do you, do you have any like favorite little story, favorite little anecdote that you can share, like a little personal experience uh, that, that really has spoken to you? I think that there are two and one is when I was teaching at the Montessori is when I got my K training. And so then I started teaching K and starting offering classes. And most of the students that signed up were my classroom students. So that was really cool. And truly the piece that sticks with me is the feedback from the parents Mm -hmm. saying, oh, Miss Erin, I saw so-and-so meditating in his bedroom last night, or I saw so-and-so got in a fight with his sister and he went to his room and said, I have to meditate now. And parents coming in and knowing the piece begins with me because they've heard their kids say it. And that just, I mean, that just overwhelmed me with joy because that was the whole point was to send them off with something, even just one itty bitty little seed of something. And to hear from parents and especially, you know, they were paying, so they are invested and they have lots of really big opinions to hear them saying something so positive about the yoga that I was doing in the classroom and outside of the classroom was really powerful for me and affirmed I was doing the right thing. And then the other one is I just recently got hired to do some preschool yoga which was really, really fun with those little guys. And there was two little ones in there with autism. Um, And I'm not sure that anyone necessarily would have noticed, but because of my background, I kind of could instantly be like, ding, okay, got those guys. And they had people working with them. And the one little boy who they were really having a hard time doing all the things that he needed to do, sitting at the rug, you know, you guys know what that looks like, like participating in the way that it should look when he's participating, standing in line. Every time that I came, he wanted to help me unroll the mats. And I just, and at first his, you know, his um, educational assistant was like, no, no, no. And I was like, it is fine. I would love for the help of him unrolling mats because he's helping me. Isn't that what we want him to help in some way? Because he's a future community member. And so he would unroll the mats with me. And I loved that. 
and didn't really participate the first few times, but by the last time he was on his mat, he was laying in his peaceful garden. And that to me was just profound. And then the little girl, I did the pom-pom, they were studying bugs. And so I drew a whole bunch of big bugs on construction paper. And after they got their pom-poms, I had them line it up to work on that fine motor for them. You know, we talked about Mm -hmm. just their pincer fingers. And again, her educational assistant was worried that she was just going to throw the pom-poms. And I was like, cool, let her throw them, whatever. doesn't matter. It's, It's okay right now in this moment. But instead, she lined them all up perfectly and traced the bug and every, you know, her teachers were so excited and she was so proud. Look at my bug, look at my bug. And trace, you know, using the pom-poms on a bug, I know is not necessarily like an asana or someone might say that's not really yoga. That's a mind, that to me, that's a mindfulness it's practice. The mindfulness. And she was able to slow her mind for just a minute and really engage in something like that. And so it's those moments for me that sort of fill me and say, okay, yep, I'm doing this. I want to come back. I want to do more, even just for that 30 seconds of, of that, you know, I love all of those stories. And, um, just really quickly, um, like I said, we could go on and on, but going back to the little boy unrolling the mats, it just reminded me that, you know, kids know what they need and maybe he needed that experience that either that experience connecting with you in order to feel safe to then eventually participate in yoga or that experience of that heavy work of unrolling those mats to help regulate him like so many things come to mind like we have to be little detectives all the time looking at what kids are doing because inherently they know what they need they just don't they just don't have a way of communicating that oh true so that's what i just i wanted to just say that really quickly totally well this this conversation uh is one of my favorites i just i I love this and i love everything that you shared uh with us today aaron and we just uh man we so appreciate you taking the time to be here with us uh to to talk about this and uh we'll have to schedule a separate time for the three of us to get on and and just go on and on and on (laughs) because i'm sure we could uh, continue this conversation for for hours uh so anyway thank you so much aaron for being here uh with us today and uh kelly as always uh lovely to see you and speak with you And uh, we just appreciate everybody else uh, being here and hanging out with us. Absolutely. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to subscribe and give us a written review to help us reach others and share all the benefits of kids yoga and mindfulness. If you want more information on all that Kidding Around Yoga has to offer, You can find us at kiddingaroundyoga.com and on Facebook and Instagram at kiddingaroundyoga. We will meet you back here next week for another fun conversation with Christy and Kelly.